hey y'all welcome back to my channel i am so excited to share with you today i decided to start a new series it is going to be called women in white coats by md tribe and i'm so excited to share with you all all the amazing women i've had the opportunity to connect with in medicine and such amazing mentors such amazing women such empowered women and i'm so excited to interview them i have always had a passion for listening to other people's stories and their journeys to see how they've gotten to the positions they've been in and to the rooms that they've been welcomed into and I find so much value in listening to those stories and asking questions and seeing how they navigated the obstacles placed in their path and so I'm so excited to take you guys on this venture so without further ado here's Women in White Coats by MD Tribe to launch my first episode of Women in White Coats. So I'll go ahead and start by introducing myself. My name is Natalia Correa. I'm a rising M2 at Florida State College of Medicine, and I'm super excited to interview you today. So without further ado, can you go ahead and introduce yourself for everybody? My name is Cara Manier. I'm originally from Los Angeles. I am an emergency medicine resident physician at the University of Southern California. Um, I'm in my first year, so I mean that I'm an intern or PGY1, um, and I'm really excited to do this interview today. Yay! Okay, so also can you tell me a little bit about kind of what pronouns you use um, and your ethnicity? Um, so I identify with she and her. Um, I'm from Los Angeles. And then what was the other question? Sorry. <laughs> Your hometown. My hometown. Yeah, my hometown is Los Angeles. Okay. And what medical school did you attend? Oh, and then, um, so also I'm, I identify as African-American. Sorry, I left that out. Um, but I attended Howard University College of Medicine in Washington, D.C. Um, I love that place. I can speak so much about it, but we can talk more about that as we go on. Okay. So before I go ahead and dive into everything about medicine, I am a big believer that physicians and medical students have lives outside of medicine. So can you tell us a little bit about what your passions mm -hmm. are and what fills your cup? Yeah, um, I think that's an excellent question. Um, some of my passions are traveling. I'm a foodie, so I love trying new restaurants and eating. Um, I love fashion, so I love shopping and styling. Um, I also love empowering other students who want to go into medicine or who are already in medicine. Um, and I do a lot of those things like through my blog. That's also another thing that fills my cup, um, my blog out of my scrubs. Uh, it helps me to just remember like what I like to do outside of medicine. Of course, hanging out with like, they all, like count me in. Um, <laughs> if I can get my you know nails done just to like feel good, count me in. Um, so those type of things. Okay. And I know you mentioned a little bit about your blog and you recently launched it. How has that been going? Yeah. So I launched it um, about in May. So during COVID and I had the, uh, this idea ever since the beginning of medical school. So when I was in my first year, um, so I was really happy to just finally, you know, get some time to put it out there. Um, and it's been great. It's been, I've been getting like really good feedback. Um, I get emails from students who are are interested in you know ask me questions and it gives me ideas of what 
people want to know and what I uh, should write about. But I'm just really happy that I created and have given people a resource to um, kind of know the answers to questions that I had um, or just like mentorship or guidance for things that I wish that um, I knew when I was in their shoes. So yeah, it's been going well. Awesome. Is it difficult to balance with being a resident? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to like convince myself to be like, okay, you're going to write a blog post this week. Come on, you got it. Um, because it's just really hard and like residency is, is time consuming. Um, and so you're very time limited. And so I have to really prioritize what I'm going to do with my, um, with my days off. Uh, so it is, it's very difficult. And I try to prioritize things that are like, that students can use right now. Um, so my latest one was about like tips for starting medical school. Cause I knew that students, you know, were at the beginning of their, um, of their school year. So it, it's, it's difficult for sure. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, balancing it all out and learning as I go. So, well, I know you're super busy. So I really want to say thank you so much for taking the time to fit this into your day off. Because <laughs> I know you're super booked. Okay, on to the next question. What brought you to pursue medicine? So I... Um, when I was younger, I dealt with my father and his, uh, and his suffering with a spinal cord injury. And so that was really eye-opening for me because I was able to really get a perspective like from his end being a patient, but then also as a caretaker um, because he had a lot of uh, disabilities, like a physical disability. Um, now when you suffer you know, from a spinal cord injury, you are limited to what you can do for work. Um, and then also you just need assistance with a lot of daily living activities. And so it just opened my eyes really to the, all the aspects of medicine that sometimes we don't consider and that you deal with a lot of social and emotional burdens as well as with the, you know, the physical burdens of the patient. Uh, and it just really got me interested and intrigued and I wanted to just be that caretaker and reliever that I was for my father for other patients. Um, so it sparked my interest very young, I would say. I was definitely younger than eight when, you know, I started wow. thinking about all mm -hmm. Okay. So would you say like around eight years old, you kind of knew you wanted to become a doctor? Absolutely. Yeah. I, so <laughs> I like made this, um, goal list when I was in elementary school and it's, it's really absurd to think about, but I had this list and it really planned out my whole life. So was like, I want to go to this high school. Um, I want to go to Spelling College. I want to go to, yeah. And it was like, I want to uh, become a doctor. At that time, I wanted to be a neonatologist. Um, so I was like, I want to be a neonatologist. And then just to look back, it's like, wow, I, I, you know, kind of manifested everything that I said I was going to do, which was really, really bizarre, <laughs> you know, to think at that age. But yeah, I did know. I knew early on. And I think just having that experience with my dad, um, and still that interest in me and I just, you know, it stuck with me forever. Okay. Would you say you still kind of keep that habit of writing things down to manifest them in your life? Mm-hmm. I definitely do. I think it worked. It worked so well. Um, every year, and I talk about this, uh, I think on my page or on my blog, but I talk about how I set goals every year. So at the beginning in January, um, I'll write down what I want for that year. And I mean, this year has been kind of crazy, <laughs> you know, it's been like unexpected. 
um, with everything that's going on. But I would say like for the most part, I was able to achieve what I really wanted to this year. I think it just gives you guidance and you're able to map out what you want to do and you can start thinking about how you're going to do it. So I always tell people you should write down what you want, um, see it, you know, write it and then you can believe it. Awesome. Okay. That perfectly leads me into the next question on to what was your journey to medical school like? Like, did you have any gap years? Um, you know, did you have to retake MCAT? What was that experience for you? Uh, so it was a challenging experience. Um, so just to give context, I graduated from Spelman College in 2012. And so after that, I had worked, um, I took the MCAT actually once when I was in um, undergrad. And I wasn't ready yet to do, I didn't get the score that I needed in order to go into medical school. So I thought about other options and like what I was like really passionate about. Um, and everyone in my family is an educator. So we're all in education in some form or fashion. Um, so I thought about Teach for America. And so I worked um, with Teach for America for two years and that was an amazing experience. It definitely um, gave me a different perspective of like inequalities within education. Um, and so I tried to study for the MCAT um, a second time during like one of the summers and it was just really, really difficult. You know, when you're out of school for so long, you don't really remember the knowledge as well as you think you're going to. So it was difficult to try to balance both of them. Um, and after that, I decided I, was, I need to go back and I need to go into do a post back or something that can kind of like just refresh my knowledge on um, the information that I need in order to take the MCAT. So after working for two years and I moved back to Los Angeles um, and I did Teach for America in New York. So I moved back to Los Angeles and then I was at Charles Drew for a post-bac um, and I, that was super helpful. I took like re took some courses that I took in undergrad and then I took some additional courses that would help me prepare for the MCAT and I took the MCAT a third time and this time I was super into it. I was like, this is the last time I'm taking it. Like I'm giving it my all. Um, and so I was just really, really focused on that exam. And so that last time I got the score that I needed and I applied to medical school um, a few months later and then luckily everything worked out. So it's been a journey for sure. Um, and I think, you know, what I can say to other students is just don't give up, just keep going um, because you can get defeated, especially when you like put a lot of time and a lot of money into yeah. this process. Um, but at the end of the day, it will work out if you stick to it. Emphasis on time and emphasis on money. <laughs> it is a lot of both. <laughs> yeah. Um, so also as a woman and a minority in medicine, what other challenges or doubts did you have? I know MCAT was, you know, a hurdle for you. So what, is there anything mm -hmm. else you felt you had to overcome? Um, I think so. I'll start saying like, as a woman, I, I've never really felt that there was something that I had to overcome. If anything, it, it kind of empowered me like, oh, I'm entering a male dominated field. Um, this is exciting. You know, I, I'm up for the challenge. Um, but I think now that I'm working, I do see the experiences and the challenge that some women um, often speak about. And I've noticed that, you know, there may be times where other colleagues don't fully, I, I would say like maybe they don't fully like trust women's judgment or um, they seem to think that women aren't as 
you know, uh, aren't as prepared or, or as uh, educated as them, which is, you know, not the case. And so you can kind of see those like mannerisms um, and, and what people say. So I have experienced that now that I'm working, but beforehand I didn't. Um, also with being a minority, I think that I was most afraid about being a minority and then not having like the average step score. I had a below average step score. And so that kind of worried me because I, you know, here I am, I already know it's very hard for minorities to get into medicine. We're already underrepresented. And now I don't necessarily have the statistics to do what I want to do. Um, so that was, was challenging. But I think being at Howard was very uplifting. It was very supportive. And then also a lot of the program directors and, you know, programs are, are becoming more knowledgeable about the challenges that we face um, as minorities, and they are being uh, more receptive to that and more, you know, helping us and more supportive with not focusing on those step scores and focusing on, you know, the total aspect and what other features that we have, you know, what else can we bring to the programs. Uh, so I think that helped me overcome just knowing that, um, knowing that they're not just looking at us, you know, for our scores. It's more than that. Gotcha. Yeah, mm -hmm. I am entering the year of good old steps. So I can definitely understand the whole anxiety around it. <laughs> um, how would you say, um, so I know you mentioned that you went to Howard and I think representation is a huge thing. Mm -hmm. What were some of the, I guess, um, opportunities they had or the mentors that you gained at Howard that you say would play a role in your journey? Uh, that's a good question. So I think just witnessing, um, witnessing the physicians that were there. So a lot of them were either black or just from, you know, other minorities. And that, that was really empowering to see because you won't ever really get that experience anywhere else. Um, it's not, and uh, I would say it's not a true depiction of what other hospitals look like. So that was really empowering because you have, you know, you're working alongside our um, basically legends <laughs> in, in their career. You know, we have our Dean, Dr. Ford. Um, she's like the first African-American female colorectal surgeon. Like she's the first of many things. Um, you have Dr. Callender who has many accomplishments in, um, in the transplant field. So just witnessing the excellence that they have you know, that they're, they're showing and displaying to us, I think was empowering itself and knowing that they were willing to help with anything. Um, you know, if you needed other mentors to connect with, they were more than happy to do that. If you had an idea or, you know, a research project or whatever it is that, you, you know, really wanted to work on and were passionate about, they were always willing to support you and help you. Um, I also had a professor who I went to one-on-one -on -one because I was having a hard time after my first year of medical school. And then when second year started, I was like, no, I have to like get this down now. <laughs> you know, like I really need someone to help me. And she sat me down and she, you know, every week we would like go through questions together. Um, and she really like challenged my thinking and my study skills to the point where I was like, okay, I, you know, now I feel comfortable and don't have to come to you every week. But just knowing that there was someone who would take that time out of their busy schedule, who's off, you know, a physician and, and very busy with other tasks um, and who was just so invested in my success. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't think that I would get that anywhere else, honestly. So there's, there's, multiple things that I can talk about, but those are just some of the ones that really stuck with me. Okay, that's awesome. 
And what would you say, I, okay, at what stage did you know that you would go into emergency medicine? In my third year, like towards the end, I would say like middle to end, um, I've always thought I was going to be everything but emergency medicine. So I thought I was going to be a neonatologist, um, an anesthesiologist, a dermatologist. I considered surgery for a quick second. <laughs> um, but it was at the moment where I was thinking about like, well, what do I want to do? What am I going to be happy with? Um, what am I passionate about? And so some of the things that I'm truly passionate about our like underserved populations. Uh, we work primarily with those populations at Howard. So that really, um, you know, further fostered my interest in working with them. Um, mm -hmm. Also global health. I really like working um, and helping increase access to, to resources for uh, other, you know, underserved or just under-resourced uh, countries. Um, so, in combination with those two, I was like, well, what is the best field that I can go into and that I can, you know, also advocate for patients and, you know, the inequalities and help to eliminate the social disparities, um, social and healthcare disparities. And so I thought emergency medicine was the best fit. And I had rotated. We don't have our emergency medicine residency program at Howard, but I still rotated through um, emergency medicine and then working with those attendings. Um, all of that also supported my decision to pursuing emergency medicine. So I'm so happy that I did. Um, now that I started working, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I haven't actually worked in the ED yet, but I am often like hearing stories and, um, and talking to my co-interns about it and just working as a physician um, already. I'm truly enjoying it. So what is right now off the top of your head, what's your favorite thing about it? And what's your least favorite thing about it? Ooh. <laughs> um, let's see. So my favorite thing really is talking to the patients. Um, I just get so much joy out of it, uh, especially when they are uh, just in a condition to talk to me. So I've been like working in the ICUs and unfortunately a lot of the patients are intubated. And so, you know, you can't have those conversations. Um, but when I get to talk to the patients and like get to learn more about them and their families and like where they're from, I really try to paint the entire picture for my patients and not just know like why they're here. Um, so I really enjoyed the conversations that I have with them. Um, and, you know, the thank yous that I get, they're like heartwarming every time. I'm like, oh, you know, this is why I went into this. Um, and I would say the least favorite is probably the notes. <laughs> the notes, there's so many notes that you have to write and it just takes up a lot of time. Um, okay. So I'm just starting. And I'm an intern, I'm slow. And so I, I, you know, can't wait to get faster and just be a little bit more efficient with that. But it definitely takes a lot of time out of your day. Okay. And I know you mentioned at Howard, you felt that a lot of people in your environment were from the same, you know, background as you or similar. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that it was a difficult or a, or a big change from Howard to USC? Oh, that's a great question. Um, and yes, it, it was. Uh, and I would say like everyone warns you about it. They're like, you know, when you leave Howard, it's, it's going to be different. Um, you're not going to see, you know, all of these black and brown faces um, when you are working. And so you think about it, but you don't really think about it until you are you start working. And so I see it. Um, it's different. I still feel supported. And I still feel 
um, that connection to people at Howard, which is great. So it just, um, just talking to them like through our group chats or, you know, through emails, catching up with professors that reminds me of the connection. Um, but it is different. Okay. Mm -hmm. And when you were, I, when you were applying, how, how broad did you apply? Did you do all emergency medicine? I applied to 61 programs. Um, and yes, it was all across the United States. I was really worried. I mean, just like any other senior, you're just super <laughs> scared about your future. And you're like, oh my God, I'm gonna apply to a lot of programs. Um, so I was that person. I applied to 61. I applied to places that I knew I didn't even wanna see myself living there, but I was just worried. Um, and so as I got to, as I started getting interviews, I was able to kind of narrow it down and I was like, okay, I can withdraw my application from like certain places now that I feel comfortable with the amount of invites that I had. Um, but I think initially it, it's better to play it safe. That's just my advice. I mm -hmm. definitely think <laughs> um, everyone should like sit down with uh, some type of counselor or some, you know, someone in emergency medicine that can help guide you along just based on how your application looks. But I felt that it was safer just with my below average step score and, um, and just really not knowing. So overall, it worked out. I don't think you have to apply to 61, anyone that's listening. <laughs> but if you want to be on the safer side, it's okay. It's your future. Um, you know, I know it costs a lot of money, but you will be very happy once everything works out. So okay. that's my, well, thank you for mm -hmm. that. <laughs> and also no <laughs> you graduated in the middle of a pandemic and you started working in the middle of a pandemic. How has that been? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's been challenging. Um, I think now is, I would have never in my life expected to experience a pandemic and then also to be working in a pandemic. Um, I think it has opened my eyes up to really the, the challenges that we have been facing with COVID. Um, I think before, you know, you watch the news and you hear things and you read things, um, but it's, it's just a completely different feeling when you're actually caring for these patients and you have to down, you know, and put on the protective equipment in order to go see these patients um, and just seeing how they're really fighting for their lives. So I think it's totally changed my perspective. I'm a lot more careful with, you know, who I'm around and how, um, how I'm social, you know, safe socially distancing. Um, I don't even really see my grandparents who I'm close to um, just because I work in that field and I've worked so closely with the virus that I wouldn't want to transmit it to, you know, um, my grandparents or any, anyone elderly for that matter. So I think it, it changes your perspective. Um, it also has made me very, very appreciative of the nurses. They're honestly the heroes. And when you say like the frontline workers, like they are the frontline workers, they are taking care of these patients like day in and day out. And it, it requires a lot. It's a lot mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, so I really have so much respect for them. Um, just seeing, I mean, they're already hard workers, but just seeing how hard um, and how often they are working with these patients. It's, you know, it, you just have no, you have nothing but gratitude for them, nothing but appreciation. Okay. Yeah, I can definitely, yeah. 
I definitely feel that hundred percent and um, props to you because I cannot imagine having to navigate a pandemic as a new doctor like that just seems like the most terrifying thing ever <laughs> yeah. it is and it's, it's been a lot of learning which is good it, it forces you to stay abreast of what's going on um, so you can have these conversations with the patients and then also the families who are usually very involved um, so it's a learning experience for us all okay and in what um what city are you in now and how close are you to your family so i'm in los angeles um i actually am with my family so it's great um so i work about i live about 20 minutes from the hospital that i work at so uh, i was very pleased to know that i could come back you know when i matched at usc i was really happy to know that i will be basically home in my hometown um, and could have that support um, and just that time that I missed out on with my family. Oh, awesome. And how long is your residency program? It's four years. Okay. Do you have any plans for any kind of fellowship or anything like that? Uh, <laughs> it, I will say it's early to tell um, because I just don't know. I'm just trying to get my feet wet now and just get a better understanding of emergency medicine. Um, but I think there's a possibility. I am interested in global health, so that's an option. But I'm still going to keep my options open and see, you know, what it is that I like. Awesome. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, okay, the last question is if you could offer two golden nuggets to a desperate med student or pre-med student that's just like looking for a dose of inspiration. I say two because I feel like one is never enough. Yeah. <laughs> so what would yeah. they be? So my first one, I would say, I said this earlier, but I'll say it again. Um, just don't give up. You have to really believe in yourself. Medicine is a very demanding, um, it's a very demanding job. And unfortunately, the process to get in, it's, it's, it's gruesome. You know, you have a lot to do. It's a lot of work. Um, it requires a lot of commitment, a lot of sacrifice. And as someone who has been through it all, and I didn't go straight, you know, straight through to medical school, I can honestly say it's worth it. It's worth it. You miss out on time, unfortunately, with your friends and with your family, but it will be worth it. And knowing that you stuck to your goal and you achieved it, well, it's priceless. You know, it's there's no way to really describe that feeling. So even when times get hard, look for ration, look for support, but just don't give up because there is a way. And if I have made it this far, anyone can. And so the second one, let's see. Um, my second one will be to, <laughs> to ask for help, whether that is like through your network or if you, you know, you just need help with studying, whatever it is, ask for help. I think People are often prideful um, in medicine and, you know, we're, we're intelligent people. We work hard and sometimes it could be, um, you know, hard to ask for help. We're afraid, but that is what has gotten me to this point is really asking for help. So if I need help with someone reading over my personal statement, if I need help understanding biochemistry and these congenital diseases, if I need help, um, you know, practicing for my interview, like I will ask for help. And I think that when I started asking for help was really when I started seeing results. Okay. Um, medicine is not something that you can just jump into on your own. Uh, you know, you need help, you know? And whether it, if it's you 
need to be connected with someone who is in emergency medicine because you're interested in emergency medicine, then ask for that. Um, don't be afraid to ask for whatever it is that you are seeking help with because there are people who are willing to help and people who are willing to mentor, willing to guide you and support you, um, but you have to be the one to ask. And then I would make it a third one. <laughs> um, my third one would be to follow through because oftentimes you'll find that people are busy. Physicians are busy, um, you know, medical students are busy and you could think that you reach out once and you're like, oh, I didn't hear back from them. But in reality, they're probably just busy. So just follow through, follow up. Um, you know, it never hurts even when you send those applications out. And this is something that I was actually big on. I would call the schools and be like, hey, did you get my application? <laughs> um, do you have an update about it? Um, you know, I was following up, following through. And I think that helped because it really showed my interest and in, like, I want to get here. I want to get to medical school. Definitely. So I think don't just like sit back and wait for people to, for things to kind of just fall on your lap. Like go out there and get it, follow up and follow through. So those are my three gems. Oh, thank you so much. I am in awe with all the information you provided. I know I love listening to people's stories because it, you know, it just lets you know that everybody has their own struggles and everybody has their own journey and it's not linear and that's completely mm -hmm. okay. So thank you so much for mm -hmm. taking the time to talk to us. I'm so excited that you're able to share your story and people are able to connect with your blog and get all that amazing information that you have to offer. And I hope you have an amazing rest of your day <laughs> and enjoy your day off. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Thank you for being my first episode. Oh, <laughs> Anytime. I'm so happy that you, you know, chose me. I'm honored. Honestly, you were amazing. Great questions. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out.